just wanted you to know this calendar doesn't make a million pounds. I'm holding you personally responsible. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent, and welcome to a new week and a new show topic. Imagine having an extra month between June and July. That's what we're going to talk about today. As always, I appreciate you joining the Patreon to support this podcast, and you can do that at patreon.com slash Kent. If you don't want to financially support the podcast, just go over to iTunes, the Apple Podcast, whatever it's called, the purple logo one, and leave a review with five stars and a few words about what you think about this show. It's not for my ego, although it definitely is nice for my ego. It's so the podcast gets pushed out and suggested to more people, and the more people listen to the show, the more fun it is. So let's keep this community growing. Now, let's get on to this week's topic, which comes to us from Nick. Hey, Michael, it's Nick. So I recently learned that the Kodak company used their own calendar for more than 60 years. It was supposed to be a better, more productive calendar than the 12-month version we use. I would like you to harness the power of the internet and find some answers for me, please. Thank you, Nick. Harness, I will. And this is a cool one. I had not heard of this before. Imagine having an extra month between June and July. Sounds pretty great to me. In the international fixed calendar, that's what would happen. 13 months, extra month of summer. I'm here for it. Our story begins in the 1920s, but in order to give this idea proper credit, we really have to go all the way back to 1849 and a guy named Augustus Comte. Comte was a positivist. Positivism is basically a sort of way of looking at everything in the world from a measurable scientific method. No theology, no intuition, or metaphysics. Everything must be positively measurable and calculated. And to someone who believes in looking at the world that way, the Gregorian calendar, the one used around the world even today, it just feels like chaos. Comte was one of the first people to vocally call for calendar reform. In Comte's positivist calendar, the year was broken up evenly into 13 months, each consisting of 28 days. For those of you who are awesome at math and just did the calculation in your head, you're right, that's only 364 days. Comte had an idea to make the extra day a festival day to commemorate the dead. It wouldn't have a number, a month, or even a day. Like it wouldn't be a Monday or a Friday, it was just the celebration day. As for the months, they would be named after famous figures of history. Moses, Homer, Aristotle, Archimedes, Caesar, St. Paul, Charlemagne, Dante, Gutenberg, Shakespeare, Descartes, Frederick, and Bichat. Super easy to remember, right? We'll just schedule that meeting for the 14th of Archimedes. Well, it's no wonder that the positivist calendar didn't catch on. After all, at this point, we had been using the Gregorian calendar for more than 250 years, since 1582, so no one was persuaded. Quick history on the Gregorian calendar that we use today. It was introduced by Pope Gregory XIII as an update to the Julian calendar. The Julian calendar came from the Roman calendar, and all that Pope Gregory XIII did was account for leap years by adding in an extra day every few years to keep the year aligned with the astronomical solar year. The problem was that because of the fact that the solar astronomical year is slightly larger than 365 days, Easter was falling further and further from the spring equinox. So the addition of leap year fixed this. We've stuck with this Gregorian calendar since 1582, and at this point, I can't imagine changing it. But I'm not George Eastman. George Eastman founded the Eastman Kodak Company. He brought the idea of the role of film to the masses, and Kodak Camera became a household name. The company was started in 1892 and still exists today. 
It was a leading manufacturer of film, then of cameras, and today they still make chemicals and products to support the print film industry. And from 1928 to 1989, for 61 years, they operated on their own calendar, the International Fixed Calendar. I'll tell you more about it after a quick break. Everything is impermanent. Nothing lasts forever. And if you want to enjoy life, you've got to take a leap and live in the moment. One Week Tees is a new t-shirt company that takes that idea to heart. Every week they release a fun new design on a t-shirt, then they permanently retire it after one week. If you don't jump on it, you miss out on it forever. So in effect, every t-shirt they sell is limited edition. At noon every Monday, the new design gets released and the old one goes away. It's a pretty great idea, especially if you want to have a shirt that you can almost guarantee no one else will have. Check out One Week Tees on Facebook and Instagram to see their new design each week. It's the number one week tees. Or check out their website at oneweektees.com. And because you listen to this podcast, use the promo code INTERNET to get 10% off your order. The link is in the show notes. I've been traveling again lately, and that means I've been wearing my Scotty Vest jacket, which is awesome for anyone who sort of lives life on the go like I do. It's been awesome for traveling around because it's got tons of pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in, and I'm confident they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. To get 15% off your order, visit the link in the show notes. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing bombs, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. Let's get back to the story. Before the break, I told you that the Eastman Kodak Company operated on the international fixed calendar. So where did George Eastman get this idea? Well, after Augustus Comte invented the positivist calendar in 1849 and the idea wasn't widely adopted, the idea sort of died for 70-some years until a British accountant named Moses Cotsworth brought it back. In addition to having one of the most British-sounding names ever, Moses Cotsworth, British accountant, uh, Cotsworth developed the international fixed calendar while working for a railroad company. As you know, railroads rely heavily on timetables and schedules, and the idea that monthly accounts at the railroad couldn't be evenly and fairly compared with one another really bothered him. Let me give you an example that was laid out in The Outlook, a popular New York periodical in the 1920s. Quote, A hotel that did business of $10,000 per week in room sales found that its receipts from room sales were less in May than those in April. It looked as if the business was dropping off. May was one day longer than April, and yet its room sales were less. The figures, however, proved to be very misleading. As a matter of fact, business was actually better in May than in April, $10 a day better, but the monthly comparison seemed to show that it was worse." End quote. Cotsworth had figured this out and in 1907 formed the International Fixed Calendar League, 
an organization to gain support for the idea of a fixed calendar internationally. Here's what his calendar would look like. The months were the same as the Gregorian calendar currently being used, except every month was shortened to 28 days. An extra month was added between June and July, and it would be called Sol, S-O-L, named after the sun and because the summer solstice would fall in this month. Now again, if you multiply 28 times 4, you're still a day short. So a day was added at the end of the year, and that day wouldn't fall within one of the months or one of the weeks. It wouldn't have a weekday name. It was simply called Year Day and could be a day of celebration. So December ends on Saturday the 28th, and then there's this Year Day, and then Sunday would be the next day, which would be the 1st of January. And leap years would still be observed by adding one of these same weekless, monthless days between the months of June and Sol. And here's what that does. The calendar still lines up with the Gregorian calendar in most respects. Some holidays would have to be moved slightly, but January 1st would still be January 1st. Most importantly, it makes every month the exact same amount of time. Business results could be measured evenly. Every quarter was 91 days, and so there was an apples-to-apples -apples comparison on a ledger. And furthermore, the 28-day month is perfectly divided into four even weeks, starting on Sunday the 1st and ending on Saturday the 28th. Every month, the 1st would be a Sunday, the 10th would be a Tuesday, and so on. Unfortunately for those who are superstitious, every month would have a Friday the 13th. You know how you don't really know what day of the week you were born on without either A, knowing from what your mother told you, or B, looking it up on the internet? Well, with this calendar, you'd instantly know because every month that numbered day would always fall on the exact same day of the week. In the 1920s, the idea was being spread in publications around the world. Cotsworth placed articles explaining the benefits of the idea in newspapers and magazines. And he made a compelling case, arguing how his new calendar, the International Fixed Calendar, was better for business and better for simplifying the understanding of the dates of the year. He laid out all the reasons with many newspapers publishing a graphic of what the calendar would look like. In 1922, a convention was held in Washington to consider the calendar. It was also presented in front of the United States Chamber of Commerce. Cotsworth met with business and labor leaders around the world, and he gained the support of George Eastman of the Eastman Kodak Company. Together, they sent letters to more than a thousand businesses trying to persuade them to change to the new calendar. Even the United States House of Representatives took up the matter when a Minnesota legislator, Tom Shaw, brought it to them in 1919. In their version of the international calendar, however, the extra month was called Vern because of the, the vernal equinox, and that idea never made it out of committee. By the way, can you imagine telling people your birthday is Vern 12th? Just weird. Unfortunately for the supporters of this radical idea, something like a calendar isn't easy to change unless everybody changes. After all, if your business is on the new fixed calendar and ships a product to someone on the old Gregorian calendar, how do you tell them when it will get there? It forces you to convert the date anytime you communicate with someone on the outside, which then forces you to first find out which calendar they're using. It's similar to the headache of asking someone what time zone they're in before you have to schedule a meeting. But there were also religious objections to this calendar. If you're celebrating a day of rest on the seventh day of the week, whether it be Saturday or Sunday, what do you do with the free day? Do you just pretend it didn't happen? If you don't, the next year's day of rest will be off by a day all year, and it will be another six years after that before it gets back to the day where it used to be. These were serious issues for people. 
and were the reason that almost nobody adopted the calendar. It's like when video tried to shift from VHS to Laserdisc. It's cool, but now you have to have both players because you already own your collection on VHS. Now you have to buy everything again. Compatibility is a serious concern. Despite no one else adopting the calendar, George Eastman said, I'm doing it anyway, and in 1928, he adopted the international fixed calendar for the Eastman Kodak Company. And he continued advocating for the adoption of the calendar, even addressing the League of Nations, who twice took up the idea. In both instances, it was religious leaders who organized to put an end to it. But for Eastman, it was a matter of fiscal tidiness and predictability. In a letter to businessmen, Eastman argued, quote, nobody is ever sure until he has looked it up whether the first of the month falls in the beginning or the end of the week, end quote. After the adjustment period, employees at Kodak actually enjoyed the predictability of the calendar, which was just used internally at the company. Every employee had a pocket-sized calendar with them all the time. Every company boardroom had a large poster of the fixed calendar. And this system worked so well for the company, they continued to use it for 61 years. George Eastman's health started to decline dramatically in 1930. He lived with constant pain in his spine and suffered from horrible depression because of the pain. He took his own life in 1932, but his company lived on, as did their fixed calendar, which they continued to use all the way until 1989. So the internet says it's true. The Kodak company operated under their own 13-month calendar for 61 years, and it could be argued that it's a better calendar. But if that were a good reason to make a worldwide change, Americans would be using the metric system. Well, now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling my friend comedian Glenn Tickle. Glenn, how have you been? I'm all right. How are you? Good. I enjoy watching your TikTok because you enjoy oh, thank you. doing your TikTok, I can tell. It's fun. Uh, if it wasn't, I would not do it, <laughs> as as evidenced by all the boring stuff that I'm supposed to be doing while I'm making TikTok. <laughs> well, I like that that your TikTok feels like your life, um, which is what I think TikTok is is really best at is the the personal touch. I mean, I feel like I'm just hanging out with you. Uh, and you made an observation today, or I, it came up on my FYP today, that um, it seems like your TikTok performs better when you just leave it alone. Is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, I did, I, I did a, a video, I think it was just friends only cause it felt like I was complaining. So I didn't want to like, okay. I don't like it when people complain about the algorithm or whatever, right. cause it feels desperate, but this was like a genuine question because it happened a couple of times where a video will be doing well until I open TikTok and then it stops. Like, I don't know it's doing well. Like I'll post a video, drop my kid off at school get something to eat, do some errands, come home a couple hours later, open it. And it's like, Oh, it's got like 20,000 views. Great. And then that's it. No more. Views. It's the, <laughs> it it's the same. Stops. I'm noticing the exact same. And it might be like the watched pot never boils type of thing where, you know, if you're sitting there, like, cause I'm noticing it from an, another standpoint where I'm not seeing it go, 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 go. And then stop. I'm seeing it not go until I leave it alone. Like if I, you know, I'll post a, a video and I'll be on TikTok, you know, whether I'm just scrolling through my For You page or whatever. And I'll look back on my video and say, oh, okay, well, 20, all right, 40, 100, it's real slow. And then I'll just leave it alone for like six hours. And when I come back, that's when it has blown up is when I wasn't paying attention. Um, it's it's yeah, it's almost like they're rewarding not using their platform, which is 
That's Crazy. what it feels like, which is why it's so weird. Because yeah. every other every other bit of TikTok advice is like use it more, like post well, more videos, leave comments. I like, promise ask questions. This isn't this a, is like just just post a video and then just leave it alone. Know, be cool. Walk. That's what it should be called. Just like post a video and be cool. That's their tagline. Yeah. Stop worrying. <laughs> Uh, this isn't a, a podcast about your TikToks, but I do want to ask you about another sure, one because yeah. you, you did talk about a um, your name. Your last name is Tickle. Yes. And um, I thought, you know, people who are listening to my podcast and maybe um, don't remember you from when you were on the show before or just didn't didn't know that is your real name, Tickle. Yeah, it's not like a stage name. It's a, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like, it didn't lead you because I get this told life of all the time. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, uh, I get all, I get asked all the time. They're like, "Oh, did you? Are you a comic?" Because your last name, like, I, no. Or everyone in my family would be a comedian. <laughs> yeah, like if that were true, you'd be a professional tickler. That'd be way weirder. Yeah, like that's and it it's out there. You, I'm I'm sure if you live in a big enough metro area, you can pay somebody money to come give you a little tickle. But it's not me. I just want to drive around telling jokes i should have seen if some professional tickler would would pay for an ad on this episode that would have been a good a friend of mine uh, is a professional cuddler i don't (sighs) know if she kept at it during the pandemic but uh, i I, I feel like if anybody i know knows a professional cuddler for sure that is uh, a professional tickler it's a strange job a professional cuddler i did meet a kid whose last name was tickler at (laughs) at a college gig one wow because a lot of the times people, because I do a lot of jokes about my name and people will be like, oh, I have a dumb last name too. And then they will tell me something that's not even remotely on the level of a stupid name as Tickle. But this kid's like, mine's worse. I'm like, I, hard to believe. And he's like, it's Tickler. I'm like, yeah, that's You're... that's like one degree worse. Yeah, you meant the verb version of you. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, how, that's how superlatives work, man. Yeah, you're one degree worse than I am. <laughs> you got it. You that's win. Crazy. Uh, okay, so let's get into our, our quiz today. Uh, this is yes. uh, something you know nothing about, as as always. I can't and for, wait to for get this, weirdly competitive. <laughs> just take it super serious today. For this first I question, we are playing for a joke. So if you get it right, I have to tell a joke. If you get it wrong, you have to tell me a joke. What strange tradition did the Eastman Kodak Company have from 1928 until 1989? A. They outlawed the celebration of birthdays at work. B. They used their own calendar, which had 13 months. Or C, they required that new employee photos be taken every month. I'm so glad that this is multiple choice because the second you said Eastman Kodak, I'm like, oh, they did. They did do something weird, didn't they? I remember hearing about it, but I couldn't remember what it was. It's the calendar thing. It's the calendar thing. You are correct, Glenn. It's the calendar thing. They had their own calendar, which had 13 months. And uh, that's what this episode was about. The fact that they believe (laughs) how much power a company has in a town to be like, it's 13 months. Like, just figure it out. We don't care what your school says or the rest of the country. It's Kodak Vember, baby. Get on board. (laughs) You're just gaslighting everyone in the city that that you're in. You're like, no, it's always been 13 months. It's always been this way. Oh, uh, well, it's it's a weird thing. Now, the George Eastman, the, the owner, was you know, big on this international fixed calendar. And I spent the week looking into this and reading these old newspaper articles about it. And I think I'm a convert. Like if it wasn't if it was easy, if I could get everyone to do it, I think it's better. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's clearly a better way to keep time than we do. Yeah. Right. Like daylight savings is the worst. 
the way months don't have the same days. And there have been attempts over the years to come up with a, a perfect solution. And I don't know that anybody's had, but I think that if I remember wherever I heard this thing, I'm like, I, th I think I kind of felt the same way. I'm like, yeah, that does make sense. I think we should just do 13 months. It and does. one of them should be Kodak Bember. When I, when I was in college, we studied the, um, the beta model, which was the idea that Betamax was a superior technology to VHS. And the mm -hmm. beta model was this idea that even though it was superior, it didn't catch on and kind of why it didn't catch on. And it was sort of the same as this calendar. It's like everyone would have to convert. It would be a huge hassle. Everyone's going to have to go, go out and buy new VHS players. You know, new, new argument for the metric system, man. Like, it is the, yeah, it's exactly the metric system. Yeah. It's, there's no argument about whether or not it's better. Everyone's like, yeah, it would be. That's way easier. The problem is changing to it is a hassle you're not so wrong. that's why we don't do it you're not and wrong. It, I, I think about it every single day and i get mad about it at three or four times a week uh, <laughs> if anybody follows me on twitter at kind of random times i will tweet at, at joe biden like just hey just do the metric system uh, <laughs> just just hoping he sees it and he's just you know just on his way out maybe just be like you know what we're doing it for glenn we just, just everything's meters now one baby. of those things on his last week of office when he's pardoning prisoners uh yeah. just along with That's that perfect time to do it <laughs> just slip it in there well i owe you a joke here's your joke pavlov is sitting at a pub enjoying a pint the phone rings and he jumps up shouting oh shit i forgot to feed the dog Nice. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Question two. For this question, we're playing for a story about a bad gig. So if you get it wrong, you have to tell me about a bad gig or a funny story from okay. a gig. If you get it right, I'll tell you one of mine. As we know, most of the most notable historical figures were also monsters. George Eastman, the founder of Kodak, regularly gave money to a horrible organization. Which one of these was it? A. Eugenics. B, Nazis, or C, the KKK? I think it's eugenics. You think correct. It is eugenics. You're two for two. Eastman had a Why very... I know so much about Eastman and all <laughs> Do... of his weird things. You either know about Eastman or you know about eugenics. I don't know which more, which which one that... Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why I'm a studied. big eugenics fan. That's what it is. That's why I know so much about Eastman. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I just like to study history. That's why I went to a gun <laughs> no, show. I love once. it. I love it. It's great. The only time I've been to a gun show, uh, I went to one and there were several tables of Nazi memorabilia. And it was all under this guise of like, oh, I just, it's just important to study history. And like, okay. What, what other historical <laughs> figures are being celebrated at this gun show? Yeah. It's not like, oh, and then here I, I was going to try to think of another not horrible history thing, but so much of history is horrible. Yeah. I couldn't think of like a safe, boring history thing to be like, oh, at the gun show, we're going to have a table for the history of Arbor Day, which yeah. is also probably some dark story that I'm, I don't know about. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say Genghis Khan, but he was sort of. Yeah, not a good also. dude either. <laughs> he was not not a, a great man. Uh, well, yeah, Eastman had like a very utilitarian view of life, and this informed everything he did. So even when he off himself in 1932 he wrote a note that said to my friends my work is done why wait so that sounds like someone who believes in eugenics you i mean 
same thing like with that calendar thing it's like it's hard to argue against it but i mean but it is it's like yeah i'm not it ready makes... to embrace exactly like you know what i'm done because like i have a body of work now <laughs> like i have i have children i've accomplished things yeah I, I'm I'm not gonna Eastman my way out of here. Just be like, well, it feels like a it feels like time. You know, might as well just call it <laughs> right. Might as well right. Just clock out at thirty eight. There's no day. there's no humanity to this this utilitarian view of life. So yeah. utilitarianism, not a fan in yeah, general. Right. Like you have to. You know, this is well, we're artists, so that makes sense. You know, that's we're both performers, and that you wouldn't expect us to be utilitarians. Uh, so let's see. I have to tell you a story about a, a show Dude, that was a bad, bad gig. gig. So I, I have to preface this by saying I, I won't say who booked the gig because he, he is a if good. I know who it was. He is a good friend of so mine. Hard. And was it Gigi Greg? No, it's not. It was. It's not your former. Not your former agent. This wasn't the, <laughs> my now, newly retired. Congratulations, Gigi Greg. Gigi Greg I de- yeah, enjoy enjoy the easy life of not weekly phone calls from me. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're not following along, Glenn's agent recently retired. So if you are you looking for a comedian to book, um, give him a call. I got, He's, yeah. He needs a new agent. Because I don't want to talk to college bookers myself. No, so. no, because they change three times before the show starts. Uh, so, OK, so this was I was there for a college gig and this great friend of mine, his wife uh, used to work in a nursing home. And so as a favor, my buddy and I said, well, before the college show, we'll go to the nursing home and do a show. And my friend, who's like a physical comedian, did awesome at this. This was like one of the things he just is really good at is no matter the audience, he can just turn his gear into that gear. And I'm good at that for a lot of groups, but apparently not nursing homes. Uh, It was the worst gig. I've, And it wasn't the gig that was bad. It was me that was bad. I am not a nursing home performer. Um, I've never performed. I've done a couple. Oh, have you really? So, like, is it's very. First of all, you have to be comfortable in nursing homes, which I'm not. You have to be comfortable with folks watching you who are going to make you sad and think about your own mortality. See, my secret is uh, I'm never comfortable anywhere, and I'm sad all the time. So that doesn't faze <laughs> me. That's like a Hulk, a uh, 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 Hulk quote, the Incredible Hulk quote, yeah. or something. <laughs> It's my secret. I'm always I'm uncomfortable. Always uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it just it was bad. And I went ahead and did like parts of my normal act and uh, it didn't work. None of it worked. I'm using some of the facilitators and nurses and stuff in the act and not the residents themselves. And it was just it was rough. It was a rough, rough show. So there is my my confession to you, Glenn. You're two for two. It's been a while since I've done a nursing home show, but I don't think I've ever like crushed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that there's you can. some places where you kind of just go into it expecting like a B minus at best. Yeah. Like if, as long as this doesn't go horribly, I'm going to love it. And I do a lot of corporate gigs now. And I feel like a lot of those are the same way. Like I don't really go into a corporate gig thing like this is going to be an incredible show. Everyone's going to have a, a great time. It's going to be so fun. So then if it is like even a little bit that it's like, oh, yeah, that one went great. Yeah, it's- Otherwise, it's like, I don't know right now they don't want to listen to me talk about jobs i'm bad at and my kids or whatever yeah yeah and you certainly aren't going to get a standing ovation at a nursing home it's just one of those yeah things it wouldn't be healthy not going to happen for question three we're playing for a coveted the internet says it's true sticker this is where i blew it last time okay well here you can redeem yourself and uh this one i'm reading the question right now and i think you can do this one i think this is one's easy for you 
Which one of these products was another example of Kodak bucking the trend? Was it A, photographs in which the image would vanish after one week, B, film in the shape of a disc that rotated inside the camera, or C, eco-friendly film rolls that could be planted in your garden with embedded seeds that would be released when moisture dissolved the film? See, I know the second one is a real thing, but I don't know if it was them. The seed thing, I mean, it would be celluloid. So I don't know that moisture would really break it down to a seed level. And I don't remember what A was, so I'm going to say B. You got a sticker, Glenn. It is B. Yes. Film in the shape of a disc that rotated inside a camera. I think my dad had one of these when I was little. The disc film and disc film cameras were first released in 1982 when I was three. And they were very short-lived. Very few photo labs could process the film, so it took forever to get your pictures back. The last disc film was manufactured in 1999. So if you have one of those cameras and you want to keep it going, you have to find a resource for that film. eBay, yeah. Or make your own or something. I don't know how that would work. But, uh, yeah, it seems like a bad... Film is one of those things that it's... it needs to be standardized. That seemed like a bad idea to create your own format of film yeah. that can't be used in any cameras except for that use that one. I mean, there's a the classic film problem of like, well, lenses are circles, so why are pictures square? And it's like, well, because of the roll. Like you have two straight edges, so you have to crop it some way, and it's the most efficient use of space. So the disc film thing is objectively not an a, a efficient use of the space. Wow, I never thought about that, and I spend most days with a camera in my hand. Thinking about square? <laughs> that oh, yeah. is very strange. I never thought about this. I was you outside for four hours taking photos. Thank you. I got out yesterday uh, for the first time in a long time to take photos. Uh, of course, everything's digital now, so Kodak, sorry, you lost this this war. Uh, what What was Kodak thinking, by the way, by not getting on top of this digital thing? Yeah. It was it was one of those things where looking back now, it's like, yeah, it's the obvious choice. But they're like, no, people love film. And some people do. Like, yeah. I still have friends who shoot on film. Well, and the only reason Kodak exists today is because of people who shoot on film, because they still supply those chemicals. Yeah. And didn't you I, I, I don't know if it came up in the first part of the episode. Uh, didn't Kodak like develop digital technology like they were like the early company to like put it together in a way that could be like consumer friendly i think there were like early digital sensors uh at like nasa and stuff but i think they were pretty early to like make a digital camera and then they're like no nah, we're not gonna put too much time and thought into this well i'm i'm googling it as we look and you have added to this story dramatically because yes the first actual digital still camera was developed by eastman kodak in 1975 so um, that that is true. I did not look for that in my in my research, but holy cow. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, look, this is like a neat fun idea we had. But yeah, no one's going to take this seriously. Right. It reminds me of, of Skype. Like Skype ran with the ball. Skype yeah. was so far ahead in this in this video conferencing world. And then Zoom was they just like, see so ya. Hard. Yeah. Oh, my God, Skype. You had it. Everyone already had Skype installed. Right. Yeah. I remember the first time I had to do a Zoom call after the pandemic hit, I was surprised to find that I had already had it installed. Like, I didn't remember ever using it for anything. It must have been like some job interview or yeah. interview I did. Some meeting a journalist where it was just on my laptop. And I was like, oh, I already have this thing. Okay. 
And then I, I did a show on WebEx the other day. It's like, guys, what are you doing? It's horrible. Why? I've just, done. Oh. Just use Zoom. Everyone has it already now. Even the ones that should be great aren't. Google Meet, uh, Facebook, or not Facebook, uh, Amazon. Was it which ones? It's like Places or something. Like, I don't know which one it is. There's, there's so many other uh, op- op- options. Google Meet should be amazing, but it's not. It's like nothing. None, none of them are as good as Zoom and uh, Skype. In fact, if you go back and you listen to the first season of episodes of this show, I used when I called someone, I used the Skype calling sound. Yeah, you can hear that little beep because it's ubiqu- it's ubiquitous. People still know that that means I'm digitally, you know, calling someone. And I heard it on a podcast the other day, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember Skype." <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were probably doing that on Zoom on that podcast, and then just using yeah. it because people know what that means. Wow, you're uh, you're doing well. You're three for three. And for this next question, we're playing for a chore around the house. So, do okay. you have a, a chore that you specifically have to do today? Uh, I already did dishes. I probably have to go pick something up at the store. I don't know if that counts. That counts. That totally uh, counts. I have to do both of those things. We'll call. We'll say dishes for me. Okay. Um. So if if you get it right, I have to do do dishes when we're done. Uh, I started to do dishes, and I've got this new puppy. And she pooped on the floor. And so my dishes are half done because like, I got distracted. We have chickens. You have chickens. My wife just got chickens a couple weeks ago. Can and I? So is this for wild. eggs? It is. It's there will be eggs. I don't know if that's her sole reason. Uh, other than like she she's been thinking about it for a long time. And she finally pulled the trigger. And my kids were getting really excited about it. They're like, Dad, are you excited about the chickens? I'm like, I'm not even a little bit. Like, I'm not going to say don't get chickens. Like, I'm not going to fight this. It's pretty clear that mommy's making this happen. But it's just going to be more things to do. Like, yeah. I have two small children. I'm good on things I need to worry about. Like, yeah. I don't need half a dozen new animals living. I think house. chickens are pretty low maintenance. Eggs are pretty easy to get. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, you just feed them. That's really pretty much all you have to do, right? Yeah, but now that like she got them as baby chicks, uh, so they're like getting raised in the house because it's too cold to put them out until they're adults who have all their feathers and stuff. But I had to help put a coop together. It's, that sounds fun, actually. Now, do you live on a farm or is this an urban chicken no, thing you're doing? I mean, I do now. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't a farm. We got the chicken. It's in the but suburbs, but think, it's a farm. Yeah, it's still suburban New Jersey, but I have. We got a farm. Uh, we got the chicken coop. They have like an enclosed run area. My wife has expanded her garden into like full on small small scale farming operation. Nice, nice. It's wild. So we'll say that for this question, if you get it wrong, you got to go do something with the chickens. You got to take care of them. Yeah, and feed them. Maybe I'll, I don't know. Oh, I think I got to. My wife like cleans it. They're in like a a dog playpen okay. at the moment. Uh, like that's where they live for the time being. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think she like scoops out all the pine shavings or whatever that's okay. on the bottom. There you go. I'll take, I'll, I'll take that on. All right. Good deal. Here's your question. The ancient Egyptians observed a calendar that was how many days long? Was it A, 300, B, 320, or C, 365? I thought this was going to be like a fun joke question no this one i'm gonna have to actually this one is uh chicken cage the ancient egyptians they observed either a 300 a 320 or a 365 day calendar 
All right. I don't know the answer. Uh, 320 doesn't make sense. 365. I mean, that's what we operate on most years. But I mean, it, it also doesn't make a ton of sense. I'm going to say 300. It's like a nice round number. The answer is 365. They operated on uh, what they could observe as an astronomical slash solar year, much like the calendar that we use now. Uh, so yeah. it was the same number of days in ancient Egypt in a year as there is as there. And, and I mean, that's how long a year is. But there's that weird like quarter day. Thing. Right. So that's why I figured if they were going to do it that close to accurate, they would have nailed it. Right. Well, th this is what I found out when I was and we went over this in the episode, but it, I, I learned that, you know, the Gr Gregorian calendar, which is what we use, added that that leap year to account for the 11 minutes or whatever, the, the screwed up time that gets that the leap year happens, the shift. Uh, and before that, that didn't happen. And so your your year would shift over time and would yeah. get off of the solstices. So like winter is, 50 years ago would be the same month that's summer now yeah and, it, and like, they didn't care about that as much as they did it screwing up their religious holidays that was the big thing is that this screws up religious holidays yeah. and that was one of the big reasons that this international fixed calendar why we need 13 months baby well even it screws up the religions because it's 13 times 28 days to get you know everything divided which is only 364 so they would add a day at the end of the year called free day yeah. or or whatever it was called i can't remember uh, they would add this extra day, year day, I think they called it, and it didn't have a weekday, so it wasn't like a Friday. It was just a day, and it didn't have a yeah. month. It fell between December, the end of December and the beginning That's... of January. And here's the problem with that. If you're observing every seventh day of rest religiously, you have to skip that day. Otherwise, next yeah. year, your day of rest is going to be on Monday. And the year after that, your day of rest is going to be on Tuesday. It's going to be six but years before it's on the Sunday. I idea of a day that is not really a day yeah. where it's like, all right, today is Sunday. Tomorrow is nothing. <laughs> the day after that is going to be Monday. It's a good so day. So everybody just, just chill. Stay home, take a nap, play Elden Ring all day, do whatever you want. Today, like, crime <laughs> is legal. That's how It's you a purge, purge day. Like, yeah, nothing, that's exactly right. Nothing matters. <laughs> it's a purge day. And in, in the, the cops try to write a report. They don't know what to write. There's no number. Yeah. When what did this you happen? Do? You don't know. What? What day of the week did it happen? You can't. Therefore, my crime is invalid. Free and I crime can do whatever day. I want today. Crime day is what they should have just called it. They <laughs> <laughs> just called it Glenn just takes things from stores day. It happens uh, on like New Year's Eve. <laughs> it's crime night. It's crazy. <laughs> Question five. You're three for four. This one is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show. Never to be asked on again. We've been talking about calendars and you are a busy guy. My question to you for all the marbles, how do you organize your calendar? And by that, I mean your schedule. I don't mean your physical calendar, although you can tell me about that. But how do you organize your your calendar, your your calendar of events, everything that you do? Sure. Uh, badly is the answer. <laughs> That's I I add things to the calendar app on my phone uh, that is tied to my email address. So like if I get an invite to a Zoom meeting, it gets added to my calendar automatically, which is great because I wouldn't do it. You know, like I would just forget to put it on there. I am okay. um, constantly afraid that I didn't add something to the calendar. Like I checked my calendar this week. I don't have anything. And I'm like, there's I missed something like there's I'm going to get a panic phone call at some point from somebody asking me why I'm not on a Zoom call. And uh, I can't I keep I keep looking through my email to find it. 
Um, I am actually making a calendar right now. You're uh, making a second, calendar? Yeah. For, the for your own issue company? Of Jerk the magazine is, uh, is going to be a calendar. And it's not going to be a useful one because part of the idea of, uh, so Jerk the magazine is a magazine that I made. It's like a, a joke thing that you send to people to tell them what a jerk they are. <laughs> the second issue is a ma- is a, a calendar, but like not an accurate one. Oh, great. Because I don't want, it's not like a 2022 calendar. It is just like, I want to be able to send this to people for the next 10 years without having to make a new one because I'm lazy. <laughs> so like the dates are wrong. Uh, one month doesn't have Tuesdays. I'm going to add year day in there. Do it. We talked about that. Uh, yeah. And it is same. Like I, as I was laying it out, I'm like, it seems like it would be hard to do a real one. of these. Like to try to think how to like make a, decide how many months there should be in a year and that kind of stuff seems hard right so maybe just none maybe none month yeah just <laughs> just go days and just i don't know i can't imagine organizing anything on that level yeah so i'm, I'm barely keeping my own life together much. well i'm i'm happy that you are keeping it together um and if you were to look at my calendar you would think that i was like this anal retentive person because I, I color coordinate everything. I probably have 10 different categories of stuff that happens. And if I don't do that, uh, I go nuts. And I also have the See, same. That's the thing is I need I need that. But I am incapable of being the one to do it. I, okay. Yeah. So I've this is probably a coping mechanism I've learned over time. Um, but I do have this, if it makes you feel better, the same anxiety that you do. Anytime I get a phone call from a number I don't know that's around 7 or 8 p.m., my first thought is, oh, shit, I forgot a show. This is going to be a panicked yeah. phone call of, like, I'm supposed to be doing either a virtual show or in another city, something that I've left off my calendar. I still get that. And, it, you know, I've been doing this for 18 years. Same. Yeah. I mean, uh, anytime... I, I just think about it constantly. Like I could be driving to, uh, like I have to drive to Nebraska in a couple of days. I'm going to stop. Anytime I stop for gas, I'm going to make sure that's the state I'm supposed to be going to. I'm not going to be like, Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I have Omaha April 2nd. That's where I need to be. Anytime I stop and be like, all right, I'm going to the right spot. I know where I need to be. I'm not going to get to Nebraska and realize I'm supposed to be in Georgia or something. I can't, I can't shake it. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, that's a correct answer. We'll give you, we'll give you the uh, the, the awesome. bell on that one. You win, uh, three out of four. Not too bad. Seventy five percent. How did that? Do you remember how you did last time? I don't remember. I remember I didn't win the sticker. What's? Uh, uh, I don't remember. What was the topic last time that you were on? Oh, I have absolutely no. I idea. don't either. We'll have to go back and find you. Anyway, thank I you. I think there was one that I was very confident about, and I don't remember the rest. Okay. Okay. Well, this one I don't think anyone would necessarily be confident about, but you did know an unusual amount about George Eastman and the Kodak Company. My favorite thing is I don't know why. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like it's, sometimes I'll like a there will be a fact in my head, but I will know where I heard this. Could not begin to tell you. Well, we'll just say it was probably TikTok. Uh, as maybe maybe I mean up. I went to film school, so we oh. probably learned about yeah. Eastman at some point. I'm sure you did. I'm Although sure you did. I mean, we didn't shoot on film, so it was probably <laughs> like a passing right. half day where we mentioned, "Oh yeah, remember the old times?" I know when the problem. Used to... You you learned it on year day, and it just didn't stick. Yeah, that's what it was. I couldn't log it because I didn't know what day of the week it was. It's uh, I didn't know what color to mark it, it didn't in my st- calendar. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can find Glenn Tickle's tour schedule online at glentickle.com. That's Glenn with one N and the word tickle.com. Or follow him on any of the social media. It's at Glenn Tickle at all of the different social media. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me again, bud. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks to Nick for the topic and to Glenn Tickle for being my guest. Here's a kid who thinks Kodak is just the first name of a rapper. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Sir Clubworth. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.